welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. <laughs> I am Alan, and uh, he's tan, he's rested, and ready to crack wise. Brent? Yeah. And uh, he'd like to date that girl from the crying game. <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah. why not, right? Yeah. I'm told she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be going over Golden Palace, episode 20, Pro and Concierge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent's Have you guys con- seen the crying game? I have never seen a crying uh-huh. game. Have you seen Brent? Yeah, yeah, that was a long time ago. Mm. Was it pretty good? Honestly, I thought it was boring. But <laughs> but again, I was like 16 or 17 at the time, so right. movies about the troubles <laughs> really didn't interest me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, around that time was uh, also, for us at least, um, you know, a few years uh, later on for us was when Titanic was coming out, and that was, Ski thought it was the comedy smash hit of the year. Uh-huh. Still do. <laughs> so, but... Um, yeah, I think that drama, especially that that kind of drama, yeah. probably was a little outside of your purview yeah. as a 16, 17-year-old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but um, we ask he's going to do, or I mean, excuse me, Brent's going to be doing our recap Correct. today. Uh, would you guys like to hear a few more in, uh, intros? Yeah, always. definitely, okay, always. Should I even ask you guys, or should I just say, here's some more intros? No, I like I mean, the, okay. I like, I like when you engage us. Well, okay. So you can always ask. All right. <laughs> yeah. But, well, let's see. This one I would have like def- if you don't ask, then it's just sort of a dictatorship. It's like oh. here's what we're doing now. <laughs> you know, at least this it sort of makes it feel as if you know you're asking the workers what you want management to do. Like real democracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've got a, a few here. Um, I got this one would have been for Brent for sure. Um, he wants the penthouse and a video of Donna Machi and Cocoon. Mm-hmm. That would have been a Brent <laughs> yeah. one. Let's see. I think I would have used this one for ski. Um, he treats me like a diluted middle-aged tart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, stop acting like it. I don't want to treat you that way. I'm not sure who would have gotten this one. Probably Ski, a future resident of Club Dread. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> and uh, then uh, if his plane goes down, he's brunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who which of you two would have gotten that one. But how's that one? He's 60-something away from a Slurpee. I'm not sure what that would have been. 50, 60, something, 60 cents away from a Slurpee, mm-hmm. I think, maybe. But... Um, as I reread it, it didn't even seem funny to me the second time yeah. around. So. It was um, when Sophia was looking for change in the oh, couch. Okay. She's like, I'm 16 cents away from a Slurpee. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. We have gotten some listener interactions, but you may have heard me mention it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am saving those for my episode, which will be next week because mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit of a short one. Yeah, so. that's fine. Anyways, uh, I'm sure that compared to Ski's, uh, you know, epic episode last week (laughs) (laughs) the next couple weeks will be short ones yes yes. (laughs) you're welcome america (laughs) i don't know i think a lot of people enjoy that not because of the you know i think they're fine with the detail of the recap but usually the longer the episodes means the more we're talking shit back Mm -hmm. and forth Um, yeah i think everybody's favorite thing is when we make fun of ski that's what Mm -hmm. i assume that's why i do it as much as i do yeah i'd like to think that they they pull up the episode they're like Two hours, they're putting that son of a bitch in his place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, the idea that people just have this really negative opinion of Ski. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, that asshole deserves it every exactly. bit. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I mean, it's really it, reveling in it. <laughs> well, I just like that ever since you made that comment about the uh, girl who used to be cute before she did meth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. That that turned the audience against you and they've uh-huh. never come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Anyways. Uh, oh, I didn't have an update on her. Oh, sure. She, just, <laughs> she came up in a conversation not too long ago. Oh, really? I was talking to my daughter about some of her friends that have like, had <laughs> bad habits, right? Who might be on the market. Who <laughs> <laughs> might be single and looking to mingle. All the single ladies, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I asked how she's been doing, if she's still, you know, kind of using, you know, drugs. And she said, no, that she's got a kid now. And she's been clean for quite a while, so I'm really it's happy to hear good that. Good for her. That's great. Yeah. Did you ask her the most important question? Is she still hot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she gotten her looks back. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if she ever really lost. She bounced I'm back. Sure, but, <laughs> I mean, I, I know that you know doing meth and other hard drugs definitely diminishes one's appearance, mm-hmm. which is really all I was getting at, audience. But yeah. on the flip side, ski it makes the person a lot more obtainable for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's one of those things that um, she she's what twenty years younger than you, probably. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. So basically, you know, we're all aging. You know, so that just allowed her to sort of catch up with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so, so you guys are now on an even footing. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Exactly. Like now, we both look like you know forty something. And I'm a known entity of like you know caring for other people's kids, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows that you are a one heck of a grandfather. Correct. Uh, yes. So, you know, I'm sure you'd make a good stepdad too. Oh yeah, yeah I could see that. <laughs> All right, Brent. Uh, well, I guess we're ready whenever you are. All right. Season 8, Episode 20, Pros and Concierge, uh, debuted April 9th, 1993, or for our Roman listeners, ix.iv.mcmxciii. I like debuted. I like that. It's a good thing. I'm sure we have a lot of people there, and (laughs) a lot of our ancient Roman listeners. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, I don't know what this wizardry he speaks of is. Time's a circle. Yeah. So, because April 9th was the 99th day of 1993 and the 15th Friday overall, Susan Harris pulled out the big guns and gave us an episode directed by Lex Pissaris. Ah. <laughs> what? Yep. That yeah. guy again? Yep. I haven't seen him in at least an episode. Yeah. Or... Uh, this episode was written by Kevin Rooney, who'd later write for the show Boston Common, which is probably the third best trailer Howard show of all time. Hey, so... No. One one other little thing for that day. That is my uh, sister's second birthday. Oh, happy happy second birthday! Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny mention that. Um, so she's one year younger than somebody else. Oh, um, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> she's also probably, probably one year older than somebody else, also, but probably no one you're mentioning. So, so anyway, this is the part of the recap where uh, we talk about April 9th. Oh, okay. Um, normally, I'd tell you that it was Carl Perkins' birthday and how My Old Friend is his most underrated song. Or maybe I'd tell you that Bob Mould's 11th best album, Beaster, had been released a few days earlier. Or perhaps that uh, Kristen Stewart was celebrating her third birthday ah. and learning how to turn the world on with her smile. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and skip all that this week to tell you about something even more important. So you consider Kristen Stewart to be the Mary Tyler Moore of our day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if it was Kristen Bell, I'd be on board, but I don't think I could consider Kristen album. Stewart. Just, I just, it amused me, like, yeah. her turning the world on with her smile. Yeah. Because she's sort of frowny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was amusing me about that. I'll say this. Kristen Stewart is the perfect match for the uh, 
whatever 2019 Batman. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Robert yeah. Pattinson. Yeah. Like I know I don't. You know I think they're long since. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, separated and all yeah. that. Oh, but, were they actually together? Yeah, they were. They were a couple for a when, while. When they were making the them Twilight movies. Yeah, huh. they were a couple of them. But just as far as like that whiny bitchy Batman yeah. and uh, you know the kind of mopey Kristen Stewart, uh, that's a good match. I love the the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I know uh, you do. I loved, I great. thought the movie was great. I just thought the yeah. Batman. You know. I will say that um. You know, I'm teasing her or whatever. Not that she probably cares, but <laughs> <laughs> like, <Stewart>? yeah, <laughs> like she was solid in Adventureland, mm-hmm. and I think that movie, like a lot of people, like that. Okay, but she was also amazing in the criminally underrated Charlie's Angels movie that oh. she did. Like, I'll go to the bat for that one. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's so good. Do you feel like that um, the giving ratings to things incorrectly should be a criminal offense? <laughs> yeah i'd like to think that um yeah i'd like to think that john adams would step up and right. <laughs> defend those that were unfairly maligned for their critical opinions yeah you gave, you gave me two cheesecake slices i deserve at least three yeah <laughs> All right, so anyways, I'm going to skip all the normal stuff um, to tell you about something more important about April 9th, 1993, and that was the first home game and the first victory for the Colorado Rockies baseball team. Ah, okay. So That's now, fun. by that time, you know, 16-year-old Brent had replaced his Oakland A's baseball cap with one that featured the Spin Doctors logo, <laughs> but if he were to have picked up a new team, the Colorado Rockies were high on his list. So playing for the Rockies that night and contributing to their 11-4 victory over the Montreal Expos was former Expos first baseman Andres Galarraga. Ah. A nine-year-old Brent had met Andres Galarraga back oh, in 1985 cool. uh, when he did a season with the Indianapolis Indians. But in 1993, he was a full-blown big leaguer, and that was one of the seasons that he made the All-Star game. Yeah, he had a good career. Yeah. yeah, and he was also the, the National League batting champion that year. He had a 370 batting average, an on-base percentage of 403, and a slugging percentage of 602. So obviously with important information like that, and I'm sure you can see why I didn't want to cheapen it by wishing a happy birthday to little Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say, you know, you mentioned the Indians tie in there, of course. Um, how high on your top ten list, or at least on your top ten list, would you include Razor Shines? Oh, Razor Shines is number one. Number one, okay. Yeah. I mean, as far as, um, you know, professional baseball players go, um, I could see maybe saying Roberto Clemente mm. was the better player, but in my heart, it's it's Razor Shines. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Anything else to add about the intro? No, I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Solid info. Yeah. All right. So I can shuffle these pages and do the recap non-chronologically. <laughs> <laughs> we're not spinning that wheel, so you got to go stick with the strict. Uh, okay. Stick with the script. All right. Um, All right. So the episode starts uh, with Rose telling Blanche that Sophia needs some PTO. Uh, Blanche agrees being a nonagenarian is hard work. In fact, less than one in four will even get the chance to apply. It's, <laughs> it's decided that Sophia will take some R&R and that the other Goldens will divvy up her workload. Presumably, they'll draw straws to find out who has to poop in the linen closet. Hmm. Uh, the next scene is in the kitchen with Chewie and Roland. Uh, Chewie is uh, prepping for tomorrow night's dinner, and Roland is returning from a networking event with a rival hotel. Roland is feeling pretty good about himself, and he decides to celebrate with a Bartles and Jane strawberry wine cooler. Why not? Thank God Oliver's mom got him away from this rummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Chewie tells Roland that he should leverage this opportunity and extort the other Goldens for more money. Uh, Roland tells Chewie that he's not like that, and he doesn't want the Goldens to know that he's got options. Chewie agrees to keep it between them. Besides, mo money means mo bottles of 3.5% alcohol by volume. <laughs> uh, Chewie seals the deal with an elaborate promise that involves needles, his eyes, forks, his nose, his pinky toes, a chainsaw, his thighs, his colon, and his previously needled eyes. It's a nice insight into Chewie's childhood and a reminder that you can take the boy out of the barrio, but you can take the barrio out of the boy. Uh, the third scene is back in the lobby. Uh, Sophia's yet to leave for her vacation. Chewie's in street clothes with his feet on the coffee table, and Blanche is busying herself with paperwork at the front desk. A breathless Rose enters, and she tells the others that the Carlton is trying to poach their golden goose. They cannot survive without Roland, and they need to do something. Uh, Blanche is annoyed that Roland is motivated by money. She seems to think that his room and board should be sufficient. She's from a different time, I or guess. Or just loyalty, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rose and Chewie decide they need to raise some money to afford Roland. Blanche seemingly offers herself up, but Rose tells her that the market is tapped out. Uh, Chewie says there must be something around the Golden Palace they don't need, and all eyes go to Sophia. Rose makes one of the best jokes of the whole show when she says they should just let nature take its course on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was uh, my favorite line of the episode, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely up there as far as all-time great lines go. Uh, the next scene is still in the lobby, and Sophia still hasn't left for her vacation. Uh, Rose is hounding her about looking into airfare, and Sophia bites her tongue instead of reminding her that she wanted to fly to L.A. the week before to be on the prices right, but someone said it was too expensive. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the girls banter a bit, and it's decided that uh, Sophia is just going to vacation at the Golden Palace. Sophia asks for the key to the penthouse and a copy of Cocoon. It's implied she wants to rub one out to Rose's dad. <laughs> 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 That's so good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, Chewie and Roland enter the scene, and with a forced casualness, Chewie points Roland out to the Goldens. Before the Goldens can start their pitch, Roland pulls Chewie aside and asks if the Goldens are wise to the offers he's received. Chewie and Rose play dumb, but Blanche gets straight to the point. Uh, she tells Roland that she doesn't appreciate him conversing with the competition. She tells him that he's fired and that the onus is on him to ensure the door doesn't hit him with good board splitting. He does seem upset by this news. Yeah, yeah, I did like... He's a little when upset he, with Chewie for some reason. Yeah, and he tries to follow him into the office and Chewie's like, you know, employees only. Yeah, yeah. that was a good line too, actually. <laughs> Anything bad? Well, there's definitely some good lines in there. A couple of them, of course, you point, you know, uh, yeah. touched on that last one in particular. I thought was good about the, yeah. you know... Sorry, man. Employees only. Yeah. Um, that was pretty great. Like literally seconds after he yeah. said he was fired. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny that I think they were they were talking about Sophia having an issue, um, or them having an issue with Sophia making a game out of diving for her teeth in yeah. the pool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty solid. Um, and then yeah, the nature take its course was an excellent one. I, I did like too. I think that Sophia says that she doesn't. Uh, you know, go to sleep. She takes a nap because <laughs> you never hear somebody saying, uh, yeah. you never hear anyone say she went peaceably in her nap. Yeah. That was uh, a great line. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Didn't she all... like fall asleep, like vacuuming or something too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, yeah. She was just standing there vacuuming. Have either of you two ever fell asleep standing up that you recall? Mm-mm. I don't feel like I have either. There's... I have sitting up before. Like, I was oh, so having... tired. Like well, I was yeah. tired of leaving the lower back. Yeah. But... Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've certainly fallen asleep sitting up before, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've ever fallen asleep standing, although it's possible. Um, yeah. 
there's a uh, person, uh, well, I don't even get into it. Um, I saw somebody who was nodding out on their feet the other day, and I was like, there's something chemically wrong <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't investigate any further than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's between them and Arby's management. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, Keep away from the fryer. Yeah. I'll just say right off the bat, I did not care for the premise that we start off with there okay. of like that just because Roland would have some interest in looking at mm-hmm. other places, yeah, that he would deserve to be categorically fired by Blanche. Exactly. Like that's, it's a little ridiculous um, and unfair, especially as hard as Roland works for them. Exactly, and not to even hear his side of it or yeah. you know give him the chance. Like no, I turned it down or whatever. You know? Yeah, I mean, well, and I, then also he may not not even talk to Blanche recently. He may yeah. not have had the opportunity to bring it up. I mean, yeah. it, it does all come back around, and we'll get to that. But it's like, at least for the first, you know, 90% of the episode, I, you know, was uncomfortable or, or unhappy yeah. with that direction. But, you know, we'll yeah. see if it, uh, not to spoil anything for yeah. those who are, you know, following along with us for their first, uh, mm-hmm. you know, experience with this episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it or, starts or off to with anyone a, who's trying to get peace while they're standing and falling asleep. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this would probably be good, you know, white noise for somebody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By all means, if anybody's looking for some white noise to help them get to sleep, please, you know, just put us on, you know, like, mm-hmm. just play through our episodes while you're resting. We're happy to send you off to yeah. Dreamland. Exactly. Or Nightmareville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares happen if they're still listening to it while they're sleeping. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I yeah. want them to still listen while they're sleeping, so we get, like, you know, a good six to eight listens while they're, you know, getting there <laughs> and the rest. Auto repeat to the next episode. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're looking for. That's how you get to 189 in a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I had for that first uh, portion. All right. Uh, so this week we're going to go ahead and debut a new feature. Okay. Uh, that we're calling uh, You Bet Your Astrology. <laughs> uh, you might not know this, but on April 9th, 1993, when this episode originally aired, an estimated 367,974 babies were born. We knew that, yeah. Yep. Assuming, <laughs> assuming an average distribution throughout the day, that would mean around 7,680 babies were born during the 30 minutes that this show was on the air. Wow. So in case any of those 7,680 babies are listening right now, <laughs> I'd like them to know that their birthday numbers of 419 and 1,993 give them a life path number of 8. This represents experience, authority, and endeavor. Uh, you're gifted with natural leadership and the capacity to accumulate great wealth. So good on you. I, if I had to describe Brandon one word, it would be mystic. <laughs> <laughs> so take this to heart, folks. <laughs> so, you know, assuming you were born in the Western Hemisphere, uh, you're an Aries with a cardinal sign of fire. Your ruling planet is Mars, the planet of war and ambition. Mm. Uh, if you were born in the Eastern Hemisphere, the Chinese feel your mythical animal is the animal is the rooster. Hopefully Mars prevents people from coming to snuff you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, longtime listeners know that we don't do much market research around here. <laughs> but the information that we have gathered has indicated that a large percentage of our audience was not born on April 9th, 1993. A large portion. <laughs> Damn near 100% of you, according to my notes. <laughs> because we're winding down here at Sophia's Choice, uh, we don't have time to do a full astrological works up, workups of all of our listeners. But we did have time to do them for the four primary Golden Girls. Oh, okay, very nice. So, um, so this is in a chronological order. All right. So Betty White, uh, date of birth January seventeenth, nineteen twenty-two. 
Uh, her life path number was five, and it represents progress, adventure, and opportunity. She possessed the curiosity of a cat, and she longed to experience all of life. Her ruling planet was Saturn, the planet of discipline. Uh-uh. So. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that all of life includes maybe having children, but maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think... Do you oh, think I think you could live a full life without having kids. You no, know, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, kids are definitely not uh, necessary for full life. It's, it's, it's one aspect, but you can have a totally full life without exactly. kids. Exactly. Sometimes I wish I had. No, I'm just kidding. But. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Joan of Arc never had kids, and she did some living. <laughs> yeah, not a lot, but exactly. she did a lot in the time she had, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Good old Anne Frank. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's ironic that uh, Jupiter is the, the planet of discipline, because mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. the most violent storms of any planet. Well, but she was Saturn. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, uh, well, second most then. Yeah. Jupiter had a lot of volcanoes. <laughs> Did it? I don't know, that's what I learned Big, last week. Biggest one no, in moons. the Io. But you said like the volcanic activity on on the moon. Oh, yeah, dumbass. <laughs> there is no service on Saturn and Jupiter. They have volcanoes on moons. Yeah, like active volcanoes, like lava and shit. Yeah, it's made of rocks and stuff like Earth is. Then why is it a moon instead of a planet? Because that's not qualified as a planet or a moon. I thought a moon was just a rock. A moon is circling a planet. So any any kind of satellite that circles what is qualified as a planet mm-hmm. would be considered a moon. Oh, okay. So a planet circles the sun. Okay. I think we're going to classify my, you know, foot as a moon because it's going to circle his ass. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the two don't collide, it's going to be fine. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't want that crater. So, B. Arthur, uh, May 13th. Got a big split already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crevasse, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it went that direction because yeah. it's getting as dry as some of Ski's uh, Dorothy stories are at the end of his episodes. That was getting you know drier than the Sahara Desert. As he was explaining the qualifications of a fucking planet <laughs> to a disbelieving Brent. <laughs> He still hasn't even been able to convince me that the Earth is round. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe for the next podcast. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Very funny. You know, just week after week, you trying to convince me it's round, and you're like, nope, nah. nah. Yeah. <laughs> he just gives you the mountains of information each week, and you're like, mm, still haven't done it. Yep. Not buying it. <laughs> you're a dang liar. Yep. Stay golden, sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your vaccines, idiots. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so B. Arthur, May 13th, 1922. Uh, so B was born less than four months after Betty, and her life path number was also five. And like before, it represents progress, adventure, and opportunity, the curiosity of the cat, and a longing to experience all of life. B, however, was ruled by Venus, the planet of love and beauty. Mm-hmm. So that's a strike against the accuracy of astrology. <laughs> I am each <laughs> Estelle Getty, July 25, 1923. Uh, her life path number was two, and it represents balance, harmony, and partnership. Okay. She had the soul of an artist. She was a fine companion, and she possessed a good sense of humor. Friends sought her out for her calming and peaceful company. Her ruling planet was the sun, which astrologists believe is the center of the universe. I think that's where they lose me. <laughs> so everything up to that point, you're like, I think... Yeah, I'm they, on board with that. Yeah, but... they're pretty accurate, but then, oh, it's not the center of the universe, so mm-hmm. can you believe any of the rest? Exactly. 
And then Rue McClanahan, February 21st, 1934. Her life path number was four, and it represents growth, building, and foundation. She was practical, down-to-earth, and had strong ideas about right and wrong. Her ruling planet was Neptune, the planet of dreams and imagination. Hmm, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. So how do you, would you say that, uh, in a general sense, I don't know, these things are so vague that yeah. every, everything could pretty much apply to everyone yeah. to some extent. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm not putting any credence in it. Yeah, fair enough. But that's... Also, the sun is not a planet. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep in mind that you may be having your, um, you know... <laughs> Your Empire Strikes Back moment here. <laughs> but the Jedi will still return. So be careful. Tread lightly. I regret slaving over a hot meal for you. <laughs> uh, so I, just, I just want to, you know, help correct things that are incorrect. Oh, yeah. That's the most condescending that. thing he's ever said to you. Fuck it. Let them lie. That way people can collect their sticker. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. Help, so, help unload some stickers. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're so desperately low on them. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the next scene uh, is in the manager's office. Uh, Blanche is interviewing potential managers. Presumably, she's on the lookout for someone with hotel experience and a casual attitude towards sexual harassment. <laughs> uh, Chewie enters and throws his hat into the ring. They try to tell him that cooking in the kitchen isn't the same as cooking their books. But he's committed to bettering himself. In fact, he's even thinking of getting remarried to that hot chick from the crying game. Sorry, buddy, <laughs> but that line forms behind Ski. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great tie. Did you do that before or after my intro? Before. like oh, I, Very nice. I, written down and everything. So. Excellent. Uh, for one brief moment, I thought you were going to step on my joke. But uh, <laughs> there was actually, enough difference that I was able to. <laughs> yeah, actually it all together perfectly, perfectly yeah. yeah. Uh, so Blanche asks him about his college experience, and he tells her that when he was 27, he slept with a co-ed. Surprisingly, Blanche doesn't consider this to be a relevant experience. Uh, Blanche tells Chewie that uh, he's not the right person for the job, and Chewie tells her that Roland is the only man for the job. Rose tells Blanche that uh, they should try and get Sophia to cut her vacation short. She says that Miami's not that big, and she's probably bored by now. If any of our listeners find themselves having exhausted all that Miami has to offer, may I recommend the World Erotic Art Museum at Washington and Twelfth? Ah. This is the largest. <laughs> this is the largest collection of erotic art in America and is worth an estimated ten million dollars. Wow! It was founded by founded by Naomi Witzig when she started collecting erotic art in order to decorate her son's bachelor pad. Mm. Good old Naomi. Yeah, I stopped reading after that because that sentence alone gave me way too much to unpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, uh, son, your your apartment's really missing something. Exactly. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Let me think on it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny. I was just about to ask. Like, you know, I think we're all a little repressed um, <laughs> in this room here. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna say, like, do you feel like you would be comfortable, you know, buying your tickets for the erotic art museum? Mm -hmm. And then you say that it was started by a mom decorating her <laughs> child's bedroom. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it just becomes a whole different conversation. It does. She's wanting to get rid of those uh, Tupac posters. Yeah. She's like, what can I put up that he'll he'll keep? Uh, <laughs> well, it's one of those things that, like, I don't know. I just imagine a scenario where somebody shows up at the World Erotic Art Museum. It's like, I got my Groupon. <laughs> <laughs> 
I ain't paying full price to see this duty stuff. But. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Me and my plus one can both get in for eight dollars. Right. Sure. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Blanche tells uh, Sophia that uh, you know she needs to cut her vacation short because they need all the help they can get. Presumably, she doesn't tell Sophia it's all hands on deck because she knows how Sophia would mishear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, she did act as a pirate once before for a, a previous job. That's true too. That's true. Uh, Sophia tells the other Goldens that if they grovel, she'll come back. They acquiesce, but Sophia isn't buying. For someone who's demonstrated an inability to pull her own weight, she's being awfully onerous. Uh, Sophia leaves and Rose again gets after Blanche for letting Roland go. Blanche explains that she had to let Roland follow his dream because otherwise he'd never leave and she'd never be able to pay him what he's worth. Rose just hopes Roland is happy with his new job. We transition to Roland wearing a safari outfit, renting bicycles out by the airport, and reporting to Robert Rockwell, Rue's erstwhile Mama's Family co-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie shows up and tries to apologize. Roland ain't having it. He tells Chewie that he'll stick it out at the bike rental shop and that Chewie's to make no overtures to the Goldens about getting Roland his job back. Chewie promises and then follows it up with another elaborate pledge involving his hidden spleen. Mm-hmm. He's not great about keeping his promises. He's not. He's not. Yeah, there is a part, which, I mean, it is, we get a callback, I think, to this joke, and I may be a little ahead of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, like, an a airplane goes overhead, and and uh, Roland, I correctly identifies it as a, a DC-10. Yeah, it's next. Next scene, okay, all right, so I won't step on that then. So, yeah, I don't know, it's, this is one of those things that kind of feels, you know, as to the unbelievableness of the episode but <laughs> yeah. it's like would Roland really not be able to get a better job than this yeah. <laughs> like this is Miami <laughs> there's <laughs> literally thousands and thousands of jobs exactly. out there that he could potentially apply for thousands of hotels <laughs> yeah yeah that at the very least um yeah, but yeah it's a it's a little unbelievable that yeah, he was simply running be... the place before they got on there right? yeah yeah I mean he's a hotel manager I mean he's got years of experience now too so mm-hmm. I would think he'd be able to, at the very least, go out and become a lower-level hotel employee exactly. before having to go out on the beach just to rent bikes. <laughs> exactly. Like, even if it's one of those things that, like, being the manager of a small hotel surely would translate to being the assistant manager at a big hotel. Right. You know? So, yeah. Same same basic skill set. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Anything else, Ted? No, that's all I had at this point. So... If you guys will indulge me for just a moment. <laughs> I'm sure We're we will. Life to do so. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to take a short break and to discuss something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Okay. Mike okay. Ripple? Nope. I'm referring, of course, to Florida Man, April 9th, 2019 edition. Oh, wow. Yes. We haven't had a Florida Man for me in quite a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since something met the criteria <laughs> okay. that we use. Okay. So as we wrap up our time here, I thought we should check in with Florida Man to see what he's been up to. It turns out April 9th, 2019, was an especially busy day for Florida Man, and there were two different news articles that met our stringent criteria. Oh, okay. I'm excited now. So the stringent criteria are basically that they are humorous in nature and not involving somebody getting hurt. Yeah, okay. you're doing no harm to somebody else. Fair like, enough. If you're hurting yourself or, you know, big business, I'm okay with it, <laughs> you know. But if, if there's an actual, like, victim-victim, right. then it's not cool. Yeah, it has to be. That's a real tight line if you're going to have someone who actually gets hurt. Exactly. Um, there has to be like some good comedy and, and, and a limit to the amount of, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Exactly. So. All right. So the first one here, uh, headline, Florida man threatens that his army of turtles will destroy us. Ah. <laughs> a 
Florida man was arrested after yelling obscenities at people in Brevard County, including that his turtle army would destroy them. The arrest affidavit for the India Atlantic Police Department said that 61-year-old Thomas Devaney Lane was disturbing the peace and yelling out obscenities along the Wave Crost Avenue boardwalk on Sunday. He reportedly called himself The Saint and said that his turtle army will destroy them. Lane also reportedly said that they would all see what would happen in an hour, presumably because turtles are slow AF. <laughs> well, not the Teenage Mutant Ninja ones. That is true. <laughs> uh, police received at least seven calls about Lane disturbing the peace at several different locations. Officers actually observed him doing so in front of the Starbucks, the Surfinista Cafe, and the Wavecrest Avenue boardwalk location of Sassy Granny's Smoothies. <laughs> I didn't check, but I bet Sassy Granny's Smoothie is probably just a margarita. <laughs> <laughs> police said that Lane eventually came to the lobby of the India Atlantic Police Department and pounded on the walls and glass. He left before an officer could meet him. Because, you know, if you're a cop and some rando is in the lobby banging on the glass, you're just going to take your sweet-ass time walking out to investigate the oh, right. <laughs> uh, Tommy was eventually found in the parking lot of the 7-Eleven on 5th Avenue. He cursed at customers and the responding officer before calling 911. Lane reportedly told the 911 operator over the phone that the responding officer needed to leave now or you will be sorry you effed with the saint. <laughs> the arrest affidavit stated that Lane refused to leave his vehicle and was forced out. While doing so, Lane continued to yell obscenities and told other people passing by about how his turtle army would destroy us. <laughs> Lane is charged uh, is facing charges of resisting officer with violence and misusing the nine one one or e nine one one system. Ah, uh, yeah. So. What, what, what of the uh, turtle army though? Did they uh, ever have the uprising he promised? Not that I'm aware of, but mm. I think that would have made the news. Probably. <laughs> you know, sassy Granny Smoothies was overridden <laughs> by turtles. Yeah. I think that's something you'd see on the Huffington Post. <laughs> I think so, too. I just like to imagine that cop, you know, the lackadaisical cop who, you know, didn't come out very quickly upon mm -hmm. the pounding on the window. Yeah. I just imagine him coming out with a real laid-back attitude, kind of like a Perry Como vibe, like, yeah. hey there, what's the hubbub, bub? <laughs> exactly. exactly. I like to think he looked like a turtle. Yeah. He could have been part yeah. of the army himself. Right. So you're saying it's Officer Mitch McConnell? And then the second one we've got is... Uh, Headline, a uh, man accused of stealing from Kmart days after buying $8 million private island. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a Florida man was arrested for shoplifting at a Kmart just days after he purchased a multi-million dollar private island off Key West. <laughs> Andrew Lippy, 59, was accused of stealing about $300 worth of household goods from a Kmart in Key West, where police said he had purchased various items between March 30th and April 4th, replaced them with cheaper items, and returned for a refund. Lippy made headlines the week before when he purchased Thompson Island, a private estate formerly owned by the philanthropist and developer Edward B. Knight, for $8 million. Lippy also owns a 12-bedroom resort compound in Key West that MTV used in a, to film a season of The Real World in 2006. At the time, that property was renting for about $1,800 a night on Airbnb. Lippy stands accused of <laughs> stealing uh, multiple items, including LED light bulbs and a $55 Hamilton Beach coffee maker, which he allegedly replaced with a much older coffee maker and returned for a full refund, according to the Key West Police Department. 
Police said Lippy also bought a $150 curd coffee machine on March 30th, returned it, and received a full refund a day later. Kmart employees notified the store's loss prevention officer after realizing the coffee machine box instead contained a basketball. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Lippy denied <laughs> Lippy denied Could have stealing. probably been slightly more uh, keen on that one, couldn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah. So, Lippy denied stealing the items, according to a police report. Lippy stated he did not change out any items prior to returning them, the arresting officer wrote in the report. I asked Lippy about the curd coffee machine being replaced by a basketball, and he stated the clerk should have realized that there was no coffee machine by the weight of the box. Ah, so it's the clerk's fault. Exactly. <laughs> I asked Lippy about the light bulbs, and he stated he returned the light bulbs because he paid too much money for them and did not know how they were switched. ABC News could not reach Lippy for comment late Monday night, but he told the Miami Herald that the situation has to do with a commercial dispute. It's very complicated. I'd rather not get into it, Lippy told the Herald <laughs> in a phone interview. I will say this, that the way it was handled by the Key West Police and the Monroe County Sheriff's Department was wonderful. Some of the finest people I've ever dealt with who were kind throughout the whole process. Lippy was arrested on grand theft charges and released the following day. Jail records show he posted no bond for his release because a man who owns a private island obviously isn't a flight risk. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the uh, I like the idea that uh, we also find out that he returned those islands that that island that he bought, but it wasn't actually that island. He returned a much shittier island. It was like off the coast of North Carolina or something. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then Ski's like, actually, that second island only meets the definition of an isthmus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the person receiving the island should have known by the same. Yeah. should have known the definition. Well, very nice. I enjoyed both those Florida man uh, yeah, stories. I just hope that that turtle guy doesn't take over the island of, yeah. the, of exactly. the shoplifter. Exactly. Remains to be seen. Yeah. I'm really glad we were able to get one last one in. Yeah, for sure. There's still time. You could get one more in, but... I'm done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My words have been put on paper and hit. I hit print. <laughs> well, we've got our 48-round playoff, so yeah. you're going to need to have some filler in there. Yeah. Uh, now that I know that spinners are in play. <laughs> All sorts of opportunities. Yeah. All right, so the final bundle of scenes start back at the Golden Palace. Uh, Chewie returns looking not dissimilar to Charlie Brown whenever the world's got him down. The Goldens interrogate Chewie about Roland and his new job. Uh, he deflects with the Treasure of the Sierra Madre reference and then proceeds to spill the beans about Roland's downward spiral. We cut quickly to Roland in hell and then immediately return to Chewie at the Golden Palace. Uh, the Goldens are still depressed that Roland uh, isn't there when Sophia enters and tries to cheer them up. She even offers to do a pantyless cartwheel. Hopefully she was kind enough to rewind that Don Amici video when she finished. <laughs> uh, Blanche tells Sophia that they're too depressed to sanction her buffoonery. Uh, Chewie says their depression is nothing compared to Roland's. He's renting bikes out by the airport. The Goldens immediately spring into action and head out to save Roland from the soul-crushing J.O.B. <laughs> he kind of let it slip by accident in that case? Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, when they arrive, he's lying on the ground and identifying airplanes as they fly overhead. Apparently, both him and Blanche have been underneath a DC-10. They should count themselves lucky. DC-10s experienced 32 hull loss incidents and over 1,200 passenger fatalities during its tenure. Wow. In fact, 111 people died when a DC-10 crashed in Sioux City, Iowa a couple years before this episode aired. 
Uh, so it was too soon for them to make that reference? I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, the Goldens and Roland reunite, and it feels so good. They all return to the Golden Palace. Uh, Blanche teases Roland with the possibility of a raise, and then Sophia enters wearing a safari outfit. It's not really explained how they'll increase the hotel's revenue, but sometimes all the writers have to offer Sophia in a funny costume. Well, yeah. it, was, it was a good thing. You know, she hadn't been in a funny one for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could probably, you wouldn't necessarily have to increase the hotel's revenue, just have Blanche stop stealing the hotel's revenue, <laughs> and then they would probably be able to pay Roland a bit more. Exactly, exactly. And the closing credit scene involves Chewie trying to strong on the Goldens into a raise. If they thought this would be eggs in the coffee, he's got another thing coming. Did you say be eggs in the coffee? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, it means, like, things to go swimmingly, like oh, if you okay. thought it would go according to plan. Oh, okay. I learned that expression a few weeks ago. What everyone wants. Was that eggs in the yeah, coffee? I, yeah. I don't know the history. I just, um, I was reading a Raymond Chandler novel. Okay. And, you know, the Continental Op was like, oh, that'll be eggs in the coffee. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked it up and it was like, oh, it means go according to plan. Oh, I was okay. Like, oh, well, I'm going to use that. <laughs> that is a really odd phrase. I don't understand how eggs in the coffee would be according to any plan. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So. If you have a very odd plan, Alan. Yes, that's, that <laughs> yeah. may be the case, yeah. We had uh, two guest actors in that episode. Um, we, I guess before I do that, Ski, did you have anything you wanted to add prior to going over the guest actors? No, I thought it was uh, okay. well wrapped up. Of course. Um, Thank you. We had Robert Rockwell, as Brent mentioned. Yeah. He played Mr. Cochran. 121 titles for him. His only golden appearance. Um, he was on one episode of The Adventures of Superman as Jor-El. Mm. He also was in Gunsmoke, Green Acres, uh, Petticoat Junction, Charlie's Angels, Newhart Mama's Family, and six episodes of Different Strokes as Mr. Bishop. Yeah. Did, he, did you have something on? Was there something that you had mentioned him from that you were a fan of? I just mentioned his Mama's Family. Mama's thing. Family, okay. So uh, I did think, like, yeah, like he looks a lot like, um, oh, Eddie Albert, you know, who played Mr. Douglas oh, on yeah. Green Acres and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I will say that, um, oh, Rockwell, like, he walked out and he delivered his lines like he was a big guest star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he put a little English on those yes. that I don't really think was warranted given his Chewing the scenery just a little bit exactly. more. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, now I hold for applause. Not coming. So. So. And now Robert Rockwell. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. He probably would have gotten the applause if he'd have been the one who Lester Dudley on <laughs> <Yeah>. different strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of molesting, <laughs> never mind. Um, there's also a George Cranford. He was the kid. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in a, seven titles. This is his uh, only golden appearance mm-hmm. also. He was in eight episodes of Detective Extra Large mm-hmm. as uh, Lilith Tyson, I think it was the name. Yeah. Or, I can't remember. Yeah. Was he the kid from Jurassic Park? Uh, no, he was not. Oh, okay. But he did have a similar look for sure. Yeah. So. All right. No, like, um, not like the main kid, but the kid, like, who Alan Grant terrorizes when you first meet him, when he's I, like, a velociraptor can slice your belly open. Yeah, no, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. I mean, I think... Oh, you don't have to look it up. I should have. <gasps> that would definitely have come up on his... Uh, yeah, I think I would have mentioned list. that with, with the, there only being eight. Yeah, eight you'd credits. have seen it. Yeah, I would have thought that I would have mentioned it, but you never know. Yeah. So, well, Ski, um... Who got your MVP for this episode? Or did you want to give any... Well, I guess, who got your MVP for this episode? Rose. Rose, okay. Fair enough. I was there something that. that stood out for you with her? Um, I don't remember. 
Okay. <laughs> it's just that's what I have written down. Okay. I thought she had funny delivery lines, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't really remember a whole lot about her um, her part in this episode. Uh, she just seemed like she was kind I of I think a... she was on on uh, Roland's side, standing up for her. Well, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. everybody kind of was. But like, it was... She was the first to suggest, like, uh, getting them a raise and stuff and mm-hmm. trying to find ways to cut costs so he could be kept on and all that. What about you, Brent, who got your MVP? I know you're going to give me crap, but it was Chewy again. Okay, because um, he needed a win? No, but this time it was <laughs> this whole monologue about, you know, the promise and everything and, like, you know, run a chainsaw twixt my thighs or, you know, just that yeah. whole thing I thought was amusing. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I gave it to Roland. I thought Roland did a pretty good job mm-hmm. in the episode. It was definitely Roland-centric. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like, I mean, he didn't really do anything wrong at all. Like, he was no. the one who was wrong, or at least who it seemed to be wrong. Yeah. Um, the only thing he did wrong was drink and pour alcohol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trusting Chewy, apparently. Yeah. So, Ski, who got your, or excuse me, how many uh, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn? three. Okay. The reason being almost exactly what you said earlier. Like, it seems like parts of the premise were just so far-fetched on how they treated him. Now, there was a little bit of a justification later, but I still think it was extreme. See, I, can I interject? Oh, yeah, yeah, by all means. So, I gave it a five, and just because I thought it was... I, whatever I thought it was a realistic scenario you know I'm not saying like the logic or what's handled the best but I could see that being the situation it's not something we've had before like never before they tried to they didn't try to fire Coco because he talked to an alternate household yeah. you know <laughs> yeah that's fair just, he was just disappeared exactly I mean, yeah I, I still think maybe Sophia had a hand in that yeah <laughs> no, he, for $300 you know <laughs> uh, he went out for lunch at the Carlton and <laughs> he's like oh this is too good of an offer to even go back and collect my stuff. Um, yeah, I, I only gave it a three myself um, mm-hmm. for the reasons that Ski had mentioned. I don't know. I just didn't. I will admit that the scenario is is reasonable, but I just didn't feel like the some of the other aspects of it were reasonable. I felt yeah. like even if Blanche was trying to push him out for his own good kind yeah. of a thing. I think she would have discussed that with the other girls. Yeah. Um, and or, I, or at least with him, even. Yeah, yeah. She, she can't rule by fiat. Yeah, and I also think that she would have not done it in such a callous way of like, oh, you're yeah. fired right now. I think she would have done it in a way of like, well, you know, I'm counting this as your notice or whatever, something yeah. like that. And then also just the whole fact that he was only able to get his job back on the beach mm-hmm. renting bicycles yeah. from this, you know, what kind of seemed like, there's just an aspect of like old white guy, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of ickiness to that. Uh, well, that yeah, character. especially with like the safari outfit he was making him wear. Yeah, I yeah. made that connection. So yeah, I, I didn't care for those aspects, but I mean, it wasn't a horrible episode. Um, but I think three slices is appropriate for my feelings on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't really have anything else to add to this one. Obviously, uh, you know, this one is a relatively quick one. Next week might be even quicker. <laughs> we got to revisit Florida Man. Yeah, that was true. That, that was my favorite part of this episode. Oh, I'm glad. A double, double dose of Florida Man. Apparently the last we're going to get. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, the next one that I'm in charge of, you know, I did check and there was just nothing okay. that met the criteria. So, like I said, I was glad we finally, you know, and it was a twofer. Like, there were two things that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, and, and in both cases, no one got uh you know, injured. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Except, you know, Kmart's loss prevention. Right. Drove him out of business. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what happened to those turtles. Like, I can't imagine. It's like, if you're living in Key West, are you shopping at Kmart? Like, yeah. it seems like that would have been like the first place Kmart went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing seems odd. I mean, I have no, 
I really have no issue believing that it happened at all. Yeah. Just because I think a lot of times people with a lot of money do weird things that mm-hmm. are surprising. And it's yeah. like, they, you know, the guy might have been poor when he was growing up. And so he has just has always been well, that yeah, way. I mean, or he could be just someone who has always been a shyster. And that's part of the way that he made his money yeah, to begin exactly, with. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, you don't buy an eight million island by paying retail prices. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's how he funds stuff. Yeah, I mean you never know. There are people who like he blew, he blew all his money buying that island. And mm-hmm. I was like, what am I gonna furnish it with? Exactly. There's, I don't need this basketball. Mm-hmm. There were some idiots who were on one of the daytime talk shows a while back. The telling, view. What's that? The view. I, I don't think it was the few. No, the talk? Uh, um, I think it was more like a Maury Povich type, oh, or okay. or you know uh, Jerry Springer or something like that. Jenny Jones. Yeah, some, somewhere in those Old along Donahue. those lines. Um, but they were Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, so Sally Jesse Raphael <laughs> or someone else. Um, <laughs> Did they have glasses? Yes. Was it a man or a woman? Both. It was a couple. Oh. Yeah, and they both it, had glasses. It was a. Good Morning Earth with more bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, do you mean the host? I, I thought you were talking about the people who were guests on. No. Um, so anyways, I have no idea what show it was on. I just know it was a morning show. So it could have been The View. Yeah, or it could have been an afternoon show. It oh. was not a nighttime talk show. Okay. Nor was it like a big time, to you know, like Good Morning America type thing uh, either. It was the Caroline Ray show. Something of that nature. <laughs> anyways, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> um, they had just gone on there talking about their ways of shoplifting, essentially, mm-hmm. and then they got arrested soon after mm-hmm. that because they went on national TV and, told mm-hmm. yeah, and talked about their techniques for shoplifting, how successful mm-hmm. they'd been at it. And it's like, they, I'd, they... I'd like to think that whatever show this is, it's like a recurring segment. Yeah. And like, yeah. like, joining us this week on Five Finger Fridays is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robert Lippy. Yeah. Call, call our show and explain to us. Yeah. You too could be a guest. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if a show did that and it was an anonymous guest, <laughs> then it'd be like, well, that's really weird that show's doing that. But at least you could be like, oh, okay, I get it. Maybe this anonymous guest who steals anyway was like, yeah. oh, I can get some money for what I'm, you know, like some legitimate money by explaining the way I steal. Exactly. So someone going on with their name and face, you know, right? yeah. you won't put your name and face on this podcast. There's right. nothing illegal about what we've done here. <laughs> it may be criminally. Yeah, um, crime against humanity. Right. But there's no statute yet <laughs> in place against us. So. Exactly. No one's throwing a book at us yet. Right. We're right. burning one. Yeah. <laughs> When podcasts are outlawed, only outlaws will have podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you'll be that bad boy you always hope to be. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everybody has a uh, a good week and whatnot and to a uh, life to love to us. Stay going, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.